Welcome to the Adamantium Podcast, episode number 49. Welcome back, Adamantomaniacs. I am your host, Adam R. Harrison. Thank you for tuning in today. There was no episode last week as I was away on vacation. Just a quick little getaway for, actually it was about nine, nine, ten days. I uh, went down to New York City first. As you know, I'm a, a big wrestling fan, so I went to, I was at WrestleMania, WrestleMania 35, uh, which was, as always, just so much, so much fun. And it was a great event, a little, you know, the last few years they've been pushing on the long side. And yeah, it's a, it's a long day. It's a really long day. I think it was like a seven-hour show in the end. But I thought there were some great matches, and of course, there's always lots of great moments. I think the Daniel Bryan-Kofi Kingston match was probably my favorite match. The big news this year being that the main event was the women's triple threat. So between Ronda Rousey, Charlotte Flair, and Becky Lynch. And of course, Becky Lynch getting her WrestleMania moment. She's the biggest thing in wrestling right now. And... I thought it was a great match, but I thought the finish was a little anticlimactic with Becky getting the roll-up on Ronda Rousey. I thought she was going to kind of have an epic tap-out a moment. She's going to tap someone out for the win, kind of getting her big moment like Daniel Bryan at WrestleMania 30. But it was it was good regardless. What was not so fun was the commute home uh, or back into the city, which took three hours, um, and the event ended at 1 in the morning. Got back to my hotel at 4 a.m., so... WrestleMania took place at MetLife Stadium. It's got to take, you know, there's no venues in the city big enough. Uh, So it's in New Jersey. There's 80,000 people. I didn't have a car. I didn't rent a car because in New York City, you just, you know, it's almost more stressful having a car. So we took the bus out of the city, and they had a a bunch of buses going from Penn Station and uh, I guess, of course, I didn't really think it through that much. I knew it was going to take a long time, but uh, it was crazy. Uh, I guess like half the people, it's like 40,000 people trying to get a bus back into the city at 1 in the morning. And uh, even trying to catch an Uber was impossible. And from someone that I heard who did take an Uber, it cost him $150, <laughs> which is like you could buy a ticket for that. Yeah, so we waited for three hours for a bus well two and a half wait and the last hour it was in the rain let's just say it was not a comfortable experience but uh you know there's a good crowd made some friends some guys from scotland and we uh we had a good time anyways but yeah that was an adventure to say the least and uh, i went to nxt on the friday night of course the adam cole johnny gargano match uh definitely a candidate for match of the year what else? I went to Broadway, saw uh, The Ferryman, which is a kind of a comedy drama that takes place in Northern Ireland during the Troubles, which, um, you know, my family being from Northern Ireland is very interesting. More of a, uh, a drama than a comedy, but of course, it's, you know, it's Irish. They've got to have some funny, some funny bits in there. Also, we went to uh, the Comedy Cellar, and, you know, being New York City and, and the Comedy Cellar, of course, legendary place. You never know who's going to drop in. And um, Judah Freelander did a set while I was there, and I'm a fan of 30. I was a fan of 30 Rock when it was on TV, and so it was cool to see him do a set. And yeah, it was a good time. And then I headed down to 
Tampa Clearwater for the rest of the week, which is paradise. It was 29 degrees Celsius, that is, sunny every day. It was amazing. Uh, fantastic. I ended up going to, a friend gave me passes to Universal Studios, so shout out to Jed for the hookup. And uh, so yeah, it's a little bit a little bit depressing to be back, especially since it's raining and back in all this construction, but uh, you know, no place like home. Anyways, moving on to today's episode, we've got a great chat with a artist on the rise. Uh, I'm trying to think of the genre. It's, pro- it's like pop music, but uh, maybe alternative pop. There's a bit of hip-hop in his music and uh, even a bit of a rock and roll. Definitely great singer-songwriter. Uh, Max Frost is on this episode of the Adamantium Podcast. Max has been releasing music for... Um, at least five years now, but he just released his first LP. It's called Gold Rush. came out in October. Definitely check it out. He's touring right now through April in Florida, I think, and then some other U.S. dates in May and June. We met up at Baby G's here in Toronto. Uh, really, really great guy. Really laid back. He loves doing what he's doing. He just got off a tour last summer with 21 Pilots, which is really cool. We talk about that. We talk about the music scene in Austin, how he got involved in hip-hop. Yeah, and just he's just a really laid back, fun, funny guy too. We were um, uh, before the interview. Uh, I think uh, they they were held up at the border, so they were a little late getting there. And when they pulled their truck up to unload, uh, they got a parking ticket. And uh, anyways, Max's latest single is called Money Problems, and he took a Snapchat as the parking attendant was writing him a ticket saying, I'll take that. Don't worry, I got money problems, but I'll take that. And uh, yeah, it was just kind of funny. Just kind of goes to show you the type of guy that that Max is. So if you're new to listening to Max Frost, as we always do here on the Adamantium podcast, we have the Adamantium Recommend section, which is five songs that you can listen to before or after, if you so please. So a couple songs that I'll recommend first off of Gold Rush are the single that I, I just mentioned, Money Problems. It's really catchy, a lot of fun. The other one is called Good Morning. Then a couple other singles I'll recommend. One is called White Lies, and the next one's called Adderall. And then the last song I'm going to recommend is actually a song that Max Frost is featured on. It's a song by DJ Snake called Broken Summer. So definitely check those out. Also, if you are listening to this podcast on iTunes or Apple Podcasts, please do hit that subscribe button. And if you don't mind, please leave us a rating and a review. The Adamantium Podcast is also now available on Spotify, Google Play Music, basically anywhere that you get your podcasts. You can also follow the Adamantium Podcast on social media. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter just by searching The Adamantium. And that's all I have to say for now, so let's get into episode number 49 with Max Frost, and from the Adamantium Podcast, we're wishing you a delightful week ahead. Enjoy, everyone. Thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me on the podcast, man. It's really cool to have you in town. Oh, yeah. Always. And uh, kind of a really cool time for you right now. New album. It is, yeah. First album. A lot of first. new things. Yeah. First major major uh, festival announced today, too. Really? It's a, yeah, we that? just announced Lollapalooza today. Awesome. Yeah, it's finally, lineup today. It's fun to talk about. That's been like the interesting thing about the past years. It's been a lot of like getting great news and then not being allowed to talk about it. Right. Like when you get stuff like that. and you. So how long have you known about Lollapalooza? I've known for a couple months. Really? And I knew That's about the, a hard one. I knew about the, the, the toughest thing was knowing about the, when I found out about 21 Pilots last year. Yeah. And that meant 
meant I had even had to cancel my tour that was coming up, and I couldn't tell anybody about it yeah, for like that, a week. That was probably what your biggest. Oh yeah, I mean that, that was, was the like, biggest. Oh, that was summer. like the was biggest like, yeah. piece of information I've ever had as a yeah. person to not share. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. I actually wanted to talk about that tour. Um, at one point, but first let's talk about the album. Yeah. Um, so Gold Rush just yeah. came out in October. It's the first full album, Definitely. first LP. Yes. Um, there was two EPs before that. Yes. Low High Low. And yes. Intoxication, which both are quite thematic huh. pieces of work. I found. Anyways. Thank you. Yeah. I guess right. Yeah. So themes are good. Yeah. So how <laughs> how does um, tell me how you th- how Gold Rush kind of extends the the story your story that you're trying to tell. I think it musically has a fair amount of tangency. It's almost kind of like, I think a, musically it's a lot of the layers kind of coming back on what I think was a little bit me thinking I had to put a lot more of a certain gloss on stuff for it to be cool or whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, I used to distort my voice a lot. Okay. I used to kind of write from the tendency of a perspective that really wasn't first person or if it was, it was... A, a couple steps back from being like a direct, um, a direct communication. You know, I, I feel like this album was a little bit more just me really talking about myself and really kind of being brutally honest mm-hmm. about stuff that you know was even. Oftentimes, I would be like, "Did this go too far?" You know what I okay. mean? And it was really, it was a much less comfortable step creatively than I've ever taken, which I think was a good thing. Okay, you know, Can you give, like what what would be an example of a song you're wondering if? I mean, you know, too much. the song "Asshole No Apologies" right. was was the stretch, you know, <laughs> yeah. or or with a lot of the songs, you know, with "Good Morning," I was like, "Is this too hip hop? Can I pull okay. this off?" You know, yeah. I was like I've always had a lot of respect for for hip hop, and I've always been like influenced by it but I was never like I'm never just going to come out one day and be like I'm a rapper now I'm never going to do that you know so I always tried to keep a barometer of like or sorry a barometer of like am I going too far over the line with this you know I I think uh, the closer I get though to songs that make me a little bit uncomfortable whether because they're stylistically a stretch or because they're conceptually a little Mm -hmm. bit too honest okay um, that's where I feel like but I guess that's the thing is like even if the song's meaning like with Asshole No Apologies I'm like is this just gonna be like oh this I don't like this guy he's a jerk because of this song but right, I'm like okay. but I had to think about everything I was saying individually like well really what I'm saying is makes sense to me you know what I mean and, and to people that I played it for who I would expect who I know I guess I'm lucky that I've had a lot of people in my life that would definitely tell me the tru- truth ironically right. with the concept of the song too which okay. is that that's you know I'm friends with a lot of assholes who would tell me if they hated the song right. so they uh, you know but almost, a- almost that's like in a way that's almost better you know you totally honesty honesty yeah you know because you don't want all friends who are just like yeah it's great man it's <laughs> that, that's you know and, and even just the it's fact like, that it's a curse you yeah, know what I mean yeah. I used to never curse in songs but I curse as a person so it's not something that I'm like fair enough yeah. you know not to go out of your way to do it right. but it's like if it's if it's something that you know comedians will always say too like it's necessary sometimes it totally you know, for, is for effect and, Tony, yeah. Tony Robbins curses in yeah. his seminars to yeah. like get to people you right. know it, it, it means something, you know. Yeah. It's colorful. I mean, if it's who you are, then... Yeah, then you unfortunately, be, yeah. Yeah, right. I mean... <laughs> um, so let's, what about, you know, musically? Because you, you play all the music, all the instruments yourself. Yeah, yeah. Was there any kind of um, musical styling that you for sure wanted to be represented in Gold Rush? I mean... 
not really the the intention of the album for me was so much more about the songs and the lyrics and the melodies than it ever really was about like oh I'm gonna make a whole album that has this vibe I mean I, I knew when something had stepped outside of the box like there were songs I had made that I really really loved that I was like I just know that this isn't the right thing for what this album's gonna be and we would just get key songs that would kind of hit the shape where we knew it was, you know, Good Morning or 11 Days were these songs that came early in working on the project that we knew were going to be kind of, you know, the cornerstone of, like, what everything had to kind of fit within that, or at least not so different that it was like, is this not fitting together? Because that's, that's kind of been something I've struggled with a lot throughout my career is that I, I'm influenced by so much stuff and I'm willing to take risks where... Uh, or I can be a little bit of a chameleon, I guess is the better way to put it, where I can end up with like, like the, you know, the first like demo CD I was passing around in like 2012 at South by when I was like 18, 19, right. 20 was literally, you would have thought it was like 10 different bands. I mean, it was just stuff right. that all sounded really, really different. It would go from like a song like white lies to some like super, super clean poppy acoustic guitar thing. And it was just kind of like not fitting you, together. I was going to say, do you think that that helps or almost like detriments? Like if you've got too much, you know, too many styles or yeah. too many, like I have always wondered that about myself. If like, if you're yeah. into too many things, are people not getting who you are? Are they thinking, you know, like you can't be doing all these things? That's a tough one. And, and yeah. it's something, it's a question I'm still asking myself. I, I guess I've found that you have to believe that you as an artist, that if you're getting to a truth about yourself or that there's something, you have to believe that there's something consistent about mm -hmm. you, even right. when you are into different things. Mm -hmm. And you have to hope that over a period of time, a body of work is eventually going to be something that people can see the threads between. between it, yes, and like yeah. I look at an artist like Ryan Adams and like, that's yeah. a guy who's done a lot of different yeah. shit or, or even Kanye or somebody yeah. like that, where they've, they've mutated themselves dramatically throughout their career. And as long as the essence of what they are as the artist, whatever that kind of unnameable thing is, is in it, I think it, it works, you know? I think, I think it's really easy for people to come along early when you're starting out and go, mm -hmm. oh, well, look at this. It, these two things don't go together, so it doesn't yeah, make you sense. you have to be one of these or one of these, and so, yeah. But I think there's also, I think that it's, it's okay to, in the beginning, or whenever you're, you have to make a decision at a period of time to be like, I am going to do this right now. Mm -hmm. And you do that. You know, I don't think, I don't think that it would have been, I don't think it would have worked out for Kanye to go make an album where one song sounded like the college dropout, two songs sounded like, right. uh, 808s and yeah. heartbreaks. And then three songs sounded like Jesus. Like you, right. it wouldn't work. He, you you got to stick to the thing. Okay. But I think, uh, I think it's okay to be into that stuff. I just think it you at least you should feel like somewhat intentional. Okay. Which I think sometimes even requires killing your babies, which is tough. But yeah, that's a, so when when you say you have so many influences, how do you filter out, okay, I'm gonna use this influence is useful right now, maybe this one down the line. How do you filter that or do you I don't think I really filter the influences. It's more like you just have to make the tough decisions on once a song comes out the way it comes out, you have to just admit sometimes, mm -hmm. like, look, this is really, really great, and I really love this or hate this or whatever, but it's just not... I'm already too far down the road, you right. know? Unless you literally made something so unbelievable to yourself that you're like, I'm just going to forget about all this other mm -hmm. shit and I'm going to start a whole new thing off this, which okay. happens sometimes too. Yeah. But for me, it's... I don't know. I, I think it's more just about... 
isolating yourself to, um, I guess, just kind of to an intention of, of what you're trying to do with that record, which, right. which may be and some... I mean, the great thing about being a musician, too, is that you can always come back to, you know? You can always... Yeah. If you've got something, you're like, maybe this doesn't work for this album or this EP, but you know, maybe 12 years down the line, this and might work on what I'm doing at the time. I've had a cool, you know, and I've had a couple songs that really had cool trajectories of their own that never made the album that yeah. are still kind of out there floating but that amazing stuff has yeah. continued to kind of cycle around about them there was one song that I I remember when I was making it I was like this is going to be like man we should make this the next single let's drop this before this you know, I was going to go on tour a year or two years ago I was like this is going to be the next single let's finish this up tonight finish it send it off and and Fitz from Fitz and Tanners who was my A&R yes, and my yeah. management were like yeah we don't get it we're like this isn't right for you and I'm like yeah. and I was crushed but then like six months later, DJ Mustard comes out from nowhere and was like, hey, I want to use this song as uh, a single. Right. And they got Elton John to cut the song. Jeez. And the song, and <laughs> yeah. I went to London and he, I was there. He cut the song. Like, I watched him do it. And I was like, okay. You're sitting in a room with Elton John. Yeah, and, and, he, and he cut the song. And yeah. then now I'm waiting for, I don't know if it's ever going to come out. I don't know. I knock yeah. on wood. I don't know. Another one I did with Fitz, DJ Snake ended up putting out as a right, single. And he kept that, my yeah. voice on it. You know, so I've had... Good luck with, with as long as I like really really love what it is. Yeah. Even if I have to kind of let it go from the album, you know, I hope that it still finds its way to a home. But the sad truth of being a songwriter is that probably, if you're working hard enough, eighty to ninety percent of the stuff so, you write yeah. will never see the light of day. Right. <laughs> so tell me then. Unless you're just some genius who just—I I wish I was one of those gold. guys. I think yes. Tyler Joseph's like one of those guys. I think okay. he just writes a song and he's like, "Yeah, this is the song." Yeah, here's one. He just goes, "Here's another one." Yeah, <laughs> give me 15 minutes. I guess <laughs> I, I don't know. Or, or Ryan Adams maybe like that. Yeah. I think. Oh, I think Ryan Adams is now releasing albums that are like, "Here's all the songs I threw away." Yeah. <laughs> once, once I was at a, a Smashing Pumpkins show yeah. and they were doing like two back-to-back nights. Yeah. Where they weren't doing any repeated song. Like Ooh. two both nights were completely different set. That's got to be a really tough. It was so like the, the night I went people were just yelling Sheru Brock at them oh. all night and Billy they set Corgan's themselves like, up for that and Billy, yeah Billy Corgan's like shut up that's tomorrow night and yeah and uh, people kept just kept going for it and then uh. he was like man I wrote that song in 15 minutes in my car and yeah he was just getting yeah. but they, you're right they kind of set themselves up for that you know yeah but it's uh, funny I remember saying you, you never know like you really don't that was actually the one question I I did directly ask Elton as like a piece of advice so I was like did you know which of your songs were going to be like huge songs or the way I asked it is I said did you know which of your songs would really connect with people I preferred putting it that way and he was like oh no I do you know you just got to you know you're too close to it is basically what he said like Paul McCartney yeah I'm signing way to Liverpool sorry (laughs) (laughs) Paul uh, was there too Paul McCartney was not there (laughs) no I think he said you're too close to it you know you have no idea I I don't know you know you kind of have to believe in it in the moment and then you have to let it go and see what happens but I, I even heard some clip of like Joe Walsh is about to play one of his hits and, yeah. and he's like well if I'd known I was going to write this sing this song for the rest of my life I probably would have written <laughs> something else <laughs> and he goes into that yeah. nobody, With Rocky Mountain High or something, or something yeah. like that yeah. well that's funny man um your latest video yeah uh Money Problems yes um very fun video thank you I, I was yeah I watched it a couple times and just um I kind of pinpointed, yeah, I really liked it because it kind of pinpointed to me kind of what you're like as an artist too because it's kind of got that modern and vintage oh, good. feel to it. 
And um, I thought about that. Yeah, so I wanted to kind of ask you about the process of making that that video, and, and was that was that your concept, or did someone come I, to you with that concept? Totally not my concept. Really? Okay. Totally got to hand that to uh, to the guys who direct Dream Tiger, who made that video. Totally got to hand that to even Atlantic Records for pushing me to do that idea. Yeah. I really was like writing all these crazy ideas about like being in a casino and like yeah. all this stuff, and they just kept being like, "Yeah, this is great. We don't have a million dollars to make the video." <laughs> yeah. So I kept being like, "All right, you know." And then I was getting super wrapped up and getting ready for this tour and everything and so then I was like okay whatever you guys want to do well, I think they really nailed your and vibe I, in it yeah. I think that I got really really lucky with yeah, that and that they did a great job and, and I love the way it came out so I you know I may be retiring myself from the driver's seat on videos from now on <laughs> there you go well I guess that's that's someone's job right yeah um you grew up in Austin, Texas. Yes, very far like, from here. Yeah, well, you know, I've been to Austin, Texas, Have you? and it's like a live music. Other lovers. than for South by? No, yeah, I wasn't there at South by. Oh, great! But even still, it was like it's like even just on a average Monday, it's, it's still amazing. Like a live it? music lovers haven. That's good that you've yeah. seen that. Most people I meet from around the world who've been to Austin only went for South by, which is sort of like saying you only met someone when they were just hammered on their birthday. Right. It's like yeah, the greatest yeah, person I've met Austin. He, yeah, he loves to like vomit and he's yeah. just like running around, punch people in the face. It's right. like. That's not really what it's like. It's not usually just like troves of people and like right. millions of concerts and Lady Gaga like popping up at a coffee shop to play a show for Doritos. Right. But uh, no, it's a great town. It's. Uh, I mean, I, I, a friend of mine moved there, so I went. To, oh, great. Yeah, I went down and. Well, it's great too, is being with someone who lives there because. Yeah, that's the key. Know, yeah. For anywhere. And, uh, but I mean, what was great is like you hop into one place, even if you don't like who's playing that night, you just yeah. hop into the next door and there's yeah. someone else playing. You know. Um, you know there's. Do you think that growing up in that environment, you know, really influenced the, the artist that you became? Big time, yeah, big time. Because there was so much opportunity to just play. Right. You know, so as a, just a musician, I was literally, I can recall times when I was still in high school, but I was probably playing like four like shows in a week in different groups is, or yeah. whatever on different instruments. You know, it was just something that it was kind of like, you know, if you want to just go out and play, forget about making money. If you just want to play, mm-hmm. Austin is like the place. Mm-hmm. I think it's probably one of the best place, places to go incubate. Yeah. I don't think it's a place to go if you want to like if you're really ready to hit it with your thing. But if you just want a place to go play, write, and kind of cultivate yourself creatively, I think there's maybe nowhere better in the world because there's also no like it's so open-minded mm-hmm. genre-wise as a place. There are people there who are as respected and as as celebrated as musicians that are on the countryside as there are on the jazz side. Mm-hmm. As there, you know, they got the Stevie Ray Vaughan statue there, but there's a hip-hop community there. But it's like, it's, it's really everything. But, it, but in a good way, it doesn't feel like, it doesn't feel like jammy nonsense like this stuff is organized you know like you go to a place called the broken spoke and it's like you're in like a straight up honky tonk that is the way it was in like the 50s or something Mm -hmm. you know and it's literally like it's a national landmark now it can't be moved or destroyed it's next to these condos but you go in there and it's like a five foot ceiling and you'll see like Vince Vaughn dancing in there everyone's literally like swing dancing like real cowboys and stuff and then you go down the street to the Continental Club and it's like a jazz gig you know this guy Red Young he's a B3 player who's been around for forever and Efren Ohms is amazing trumpet player and Brandon Temple and all these guys that are super just like cool. known names in the city just because yeah. of, they're just incredible musicians. I got, I got super lucky when I went. I saw Shaky Graves at like a yeah. barbecue joint. Oh, yeah. <laughs> How long ago was that? 
2014, 2015. So oh, not wow. even that, like, he already had a name. I was going to say, he name, was but famous. It was, <laughs> what's the, um, there's, like, some famous venue that's, like, a barbecue joint in the front, and then they've got this Stubbs? outside. That was it, Was yeah. it Stubbs? Yeah, it yeah. Stubbs, yeah. You saw him on Very the outdoor cool. stage. Yes. Yeah, he sold that out that night, didn't Yeah, yeah, he's for amazing. sure. I thought and you meant, like, like, you Dr. saw Dog was playing with him oh, and stuff, Oh, yeah, too. I remember that show. I remember because I was on tour with another band called Wild Child. Okay. We were on tour, and we're all good friends with him, and, you know, yeah, and yeah. we were, like, they were, like, man, they look at their phones, and we had just played some club somewhere, and they're, like, Shaky just sold out Stubbs, and we were, yeah. like, whoa. Yeah. <laughs> That's crazy. He, he sold it, like, he filled our biggest venue, our biggest summer venue yeah. here last year. Yeah. I, I hope, uh, I, I I was super inspired to see the way his career has developed because he's a dude who's just like, he's almost like Towns Van Zandt meets Bruce Springsteen. Right. His live show is incredible. His single last year was wicked. Yeah, yeah. Kids these days, yeah. Yeah, and he's just like, he's just a, he just has busted his ass and it's yeah. so cool to see it paying off <laughs> it continuously paying off yeah. you know what I mean I remember the first time I saw him I was super young I was like probably 15 mm-hmm. I had just played a show at the hole in the wall he was playing a show deeper inside I'd never heard of him I go there was maybe you know, like 30 to 50 people there but like all these chicks were like oh my god and he goes out and he's like hitting this thing with this. It was just him doing a solo show. Yeah. And I remember being like jealous as a kid. I was like, what is this guy? How does he already have it all figured yeah. out? You know, and his, and I know his drummer really well, Chris Busati. He's a great guy too. So Super cool. And so what age, I think I read somewhere that you started playing the drums when you were like four or something. Like no, that. I mean, I, I like, I, I like kind of took lessons and I was always getting okay. like in trouble in class for like banging on the desk. I never really was like, all right, now I want to play the drums okay. like, and really spent the time until I was like 14. Okay. And I put, so I you, stuffed yeah. it in my closet and like tried to soundproof it so yeah. my parents would leave me alone. And Did you come from a musical family or anything like that? Your not parents? really. No. Not okay. really. I always, uh. It was always just kind of my own thing. I mean, my, my mom really loved music, so I was okay. I was introduced to great music. So from what the time was playing was in the house for you? Like Wilson Pickett, oh, you cool. know, Aretha, right. Pointer Sisters, The Beatles, The Rolling Stones, a lot of classic 60s yeah. music. And my mom was like a hippie from Corpus Christi, so okay. she just was always putting me on classic stuff. Very and cool. there was, you know, another place where there wasn't much of like a genre computation for me, you know, until cool. people started asking me about what kind of music I played. <laughs> right, right. Um, so then tell me how, how did you first get mixed up into the, the hip hop scene as well? That kind of happened on accident. It was like, I knew a guy that was coming to see our band and he kept telling me about how he knew this rapper who he was like, man, we should all link up and do something. And I was kind of like, I was a fan of hip hop music, but at the time I was just singing in this blues band playing guitar right. and like I was on like the rock alt Americana kind of world right. and I was into that stuff, but I'd never really taken the leap and it seemed weird to me that they even wanted to do that. So I went and met up with them, and at first it was like super awkward, and this dude was like super stonewalling me, and I was like, what is going on? And, yeah. and then, uh, you know, this guy, Shavion, basically forced me to, he's like, just go to the car, get your guitar, and just play him a song. So then I did, and then he like totally lit up, and then was like, all right, let's do all this stuff. And then it became this off and on creative relationship where I would do hooks for this guy, which was the first like music like that I'd ever made. It was really the first time I saw people making music on laptops right. and like making beats and making what sounded to me like real records. The stuff I was doing in bands going into studios, it didn't sound like records to me. It didn't sound like what I heard on the radio. It didn't sound like the bands I love. Right. Because making a record with a band in a studio with real instruments and making that sound legit is probably one of the hardest things to do. I think it's really, really hard. Not that making a beat is easy, right. but that's a whole new concept of what a record is that is definitely much more approachable Right. In, by any means, because of just the level of complexity of what you're dealing with with a band. Mm-hmm. So, 
I mean, I, that must have been super intimidating, though, the first... You know. It was, it was, but then, but they, honestly... They embrace you. Pe- yeah. The guys who were making hip-hop treated me like I was, like, a unicorn. They were like, oh, you can play guitar? Oh, you can sing soulfully? Like, okay. oh, thank God. They were, like, grabbing me and pulling you me into that. their world, and they respected me more than anyone I'd ever met in Austin. They They yeah. treated me like, oh... This guy could do a thing more than any. Everyone else was like, "Oh yeah, he just plays guitar in that band." Right. You know what I mean? So, it totally opened up a whole new world for me creatively because then I started making beats and I started like mm-hmm. being a part of that and the way they were writing changed the way I was writing and everything. You know? And is the, is there any kind of sounds or styles that you kind of still want to mess around with that maybe you haven't had a chance to yet or? I can't say that because I guess I can't say that because I never think of it that way. Okay. Like I never, I just have never thought of like, I don't ever step into a song or a thing with an with a stylistic intention, because to me that's so secondary. Like mm-hmm. if you really have a great song, you can play it at any genre and it still connects. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like that's kind of more what I'm chasing. I guess if anything, I'm trying to keep a, like two ears down for like does this fit something that I feel like is classic to me and does this fit something that I feel like is current to me Mm -hmm. if you can get both of those at once you really win you know which you kind of can't know yeah you can know you're being current you can't know you're being classic right okay you can can try to be both that's fair you know and so this the tour that you're on right now the Gold Rush tour yeah it's kind of been dubbed the one man musical experience (laughs) yeah so what made you decide to do that rather than say have a five piece band on stage and you know, I've had multiple configurations of, of my show involving band stuff, and that stuff was awesome, and it was fun. I always had the dream of doing it by myself. It didn't seem possible to me. I was forced to find out whether it was possible, really by necessity. Mm-hmm. I came to a place where I just didn't have the money to keep paying a band, right. but I still had opportunities to go on the road. So I had to just figure it out, and it it slowly tempered itself into what it is now. I mean, it originally was a much more central setup. It was like me being like an octopus with all this stuff around me. Yeah. And it was a little more stagnant for that reason. And then I slowly started being like, oh, what if I have two places I'm singing from so I can go across and do this? And it's slowly become more and more open. Mm-hmm. And it's slowly become more and more... Like, the goal for me now is like, it's a show. Yeah. It's not about oh, look what I can do. Mm-hmm. It's about just the show working and like what feels the best to be doing in this song, what's the quickest way to get to this song. You know, it's especially really what Tyler's doing in 21 Pilots is a version of what I'm having to do, but he's got a drummer as right. well. You know what I mean? Okay. Which Josh is a big part of that show yeah. as an energy and as a character, so it's not exactly the same thing, but Tyler is having to fill a lot of space with the fact that he is the only guy singing the songs and playing right. anything other than drums and he's running around like crazy and I never really realized that until I saw their show so I was I was going to say that now after touring on what was more, probably one of the biggest tours of 2018 yeah it was sick did you learn a lot from those guys 100% and, and I mean, what you can bring to this tour I mean you know I learned little things that every night I learned big big things but I literally every night I would go watch their show. Because they have, they'd have me on stage every show. But when yeah. I wasn't on stage, I would just literally be sitting there. I would be watching the show, and I was just writing things down. Okay. I was writing down questions. Yeah. Because I wanted to understand. It's Their show is so well orchestrated. Some of the stuff I understood. Some of it I'd be like, well, obviously you had to do this because of this. Mm-hmm. But there would be so many things where I'm like, okay, I know he hasn't performed this song that long because it's a new song. How is his physical script 
so worked out for this already. How, yeah. Who makes that decision? And the more that I spoke to the camp, the more that a lot of that stuff really just came back to Tyler. So I kept bothering him being like, listen, like, I need to sit with you for a while and just like ask you a bunch of questions. And yeah. I finally did toward... I don't think it was the last show of the tour, but it was one of the last shows. And I finally, literally, it was like, it was as if I were interviewing him for How to Make a Show magazine or okay. something. You know, yeah, it, was, yeah. it was literally like I, I had like my own sprawling set list, like a beautiful mind or something that yeah. I had made that looked kind of insane. But he knew where I was coming from, and and it, it was cool because I could tell it was stuff he's never been asked about because it was like really, really specific stuff. Yeah, that I just was curious about what's the process for him making the decisions. He probably loved to, yeah, to just, share his knowledge too. You know, yeah, because I think it's cool to. You know, he puts an amount of work into that, obviously, that I think a lot of it goes over people's... I mean, I've, everyone course. knows the show yeah. is great, yeah. but I don't even think they, they know even, the details. Like, yeah, that it's is like, so thought out There's already. little yeah. things that if you really think about it, you're like, wow, that's really smart. Yeah. And their show, their set list is like any... It's like a Jenga or whatever that is. Yeah. It's like you couldn't change... Anything. It's so worked out. Like if you were to change anything, the whole thing would not yeah. work the way it does. One one thing that I found really interesting was you guys were, I don't know if it was just once or it was for the whole tour, that you guys were performing uh, the Goo Goo Doll I- Iris yeah. with the guy from my AWOL Nation. Too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, I just thought that was really cool too. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it was. Iris was one of those. It's one of those songs that resonates with me. So totally. I, I made sure I watched it when I did. But <laughs> Iris was when I, like it came out when I was like seven. Yeah, and, it's a great song. Uh, I remember going to record store to record store. I didn't know who it was by. Really, this is like when you had to buy CDs. Seriously. And I went into record store to record store singing the song to people who worked at the the store. And they were like, I'm like, "Who is this?" Right. And it had just come out. It wasn't even on a Goo Goo Dolls album yet. Wow. And they were like, "I don't know. I don't know." And finally, I got to. Someone it was like a Sam the Record man or something. Yeah. And the guy was like, oh yeah, yeah, that's Google Dolls. It's on it was on the City of Angels soundtrack first, <laughs> like a year before it was on one of their records. That's incredible. And I had to dish out thirty dollars. Oh. Which as an eight-year-old is a lot of money. That's your net worth. That was it. I spent thirty dollars on were, a single you, that, song. Your net worth and then twenty dollars yeah. in credit. That was like six weeks of allowance yeah. to pay for Iris. So wow. There you go. That's yeah. an amazing that's that's like a test that story is a testament to it what is. a great song it really is. can if do. I ever have the Google dolls on. It sends on someone wandering. Looking for it, you know. Yeah. That's that's crazy. But shout out to that guy at Sam the Record Man for <laughs> yeah. pinpointing it out. Wow. And I remember like I remember having buyer's remorse. Like afterwards. Because the rest of the CD was the rest great. of the CD, I was like, <laughs> I don't love the rest of the CD. I mean, there yeah. was some other good. There was like a great Alanis Morissette track on there. Which one? Which Alanis Morissette song? I don't know. It's probably know. ironic. No, it wasn't. It wasn't. It was just done. It was a later it was album? for that. Oh, For okay. the, the album, right? So. Okay, cool. Yeah. Anyways, so <laughs> just a little, That's a little amazing. story. Yeah. Um, just a couple fun questions before we wrap up because I've kept you longer than no, it's I was all supposed good. to. Um, it's been fun. What about... Um, You've had the chance to collaborate with a few people. Who are some of your dream artists that you would just be a dream to kind of collaborate with on a track or two? I mean, you've already crossed Elton John off the list. Yeah, yeah, that was a big one. Um, There's so many producers that I'd love to... You know what I'd love to do? I would love to work with so many producers and songwriters out there and have it have nothing to do with me. Okay. Like, I would literally just want to sit in the room for a whole week and just watch their sessions. Okay. And just watch it because I know that I'd figure something out. 
you know, because uh, like I want to figure out what Rick Rubin is doing. Okay. I want to figure out what Jeff Basker is another guy who I just want to know, you know, what he's doing because he's been a part of so many different things that have yeah. been amazing that I, you know, you know he's got a secret sauce. You just don't know what it is. Um, I do anything to go back in time and watch John Lennon write a song, just yeah, to try yes. to figure it out a little bit, you know? Because yeah. you can you can go find these like old old demos of some of those records. I think there's certain people too that I don't think you'll ever figure out what it is they do. It's just yeah. in there. You know? I guess. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Because it's just yeah. Those John demos, he's like. Yeah. Stumming through it and singing the song under his breath, but he's like already got the whole thing or yeah. something. You know what I mean? Like Strawberry Fields. There's like really old demos of it when he's like can't even figure out how he's gonna strum the guitar. He's like, can he do it? Can he do it? And does it again? And it's yeah. like, what? The yeah. whole song's done already. Yeah. <laughs> but some of the lyrics are different. But it's like, what? Yeah, unbelievable. But you've you've done some producing for other people. Yeah. Already. Is that something you'd like to do more of? Or for sure. Yeah. No, I think it's a. It's something I honestly would say I'm as, as passionate about, maybe even a little bit more than okay. Because there's there's a level of there's a level of self focus in being an artist that I'm not really I don't like doing. Okay, you know, like I, I I like writing songs and I like making music. I don't necessarily love that. You know, it has to be this sense, especially that I'm a solo artist. Mm-hmm. You know, that goes by my actual name. Mm-hmm. And it would have been easier if I'd like worn a donkey hat on my head I mean like I'm donkey head or something you know what I mean or bucket you know something like that I I kind of regret that I hadn't had a little bit more of like a mask to what I do because it's then it's a lot easier to confuse that like oh this person's talking about what I represent myself as not me you know what I'm saying and it becomes a little harder to like separate because you have to do that you have to Mm -hmm. separate that like you're playing a character every time you do a song or when you're on a stage or whatever you can have an alternate personality <laughs> which I think I kind of I mean you you, you kind of eventually you have yeah. to because what you're right. doing on a stage is extremely unnatural if you're being yourself on a stage right. you're probably right. sucking you're probably <laughs> standing there being like yeah. oh, I think I'm cool awkward yeah you can't do that you have to be like this other thing this, you know? yeah out of this world I mean Tyler's a huge example of that that was a crazy thing that yeah. Tyler gets off the stage and he's like just kind of like this quiet guy comes it's off always. and he's talking hanging out and then he goes on stage and he's like yeah, yeah. And goes, that's it's always the going. biggest thing when you so artists crazy. people are always like oh he's normal Normal. Yeah. You know, like yeah. yeah. Um, okay. Last question then. Cool. What now? Being said that you're this alternate personality on stage. Yeah. What are a couple of your favorite songs to play live? Right now, Money Problems has been a lot of fun to do because it's one of the first songs. In fact, it might be the first where the crowd knows like the whole song, mm-hmm. not just the chorus. Like I start the song and without saying anything, they know the verse, they know the pre, they know the chorus, they know the second verse, they know the bridge. You know what I mean? It's like the first one I've ever had like that. Okay. Usually I see the crowd where like, you know, oh, they, they kind of know the verse, but the crowd knows the chorus, mm-hmm. you know? But this one is like, it's different. That's just something, there's something really fun about that and something that feels very like, okay, yes. Because you're trying to do that, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, to, to even hit the first mark, you have to have a, a singable chorus. Right. But if your whole song, you know, for the like Iris would be an example of that. Right. The whole song is the same on. great yeah. melody. It's Works. Like Wonderwall. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, which I'm not saying it's that good. I'm just saying that yeah. it's nice that I finally hit something that, for whatever reason, people from beginning to end connects are, are that all the way through, connecting the whole way through the song. Yeah, and it's Very just cool. fun to play. Very cool, and that's always at the end of the day. That's what it's all about. Exactly. Right? Yeah. All right, Max. Thank you for thanks so much, man. Podcast. It's been a pleasure. Yeah. Thank Cheers. You. Looking forward to hearing.
Adamantium. Adamantium.